You only have so much time. And you have a big assignment. I want the entire world to hear the gospel in my generation. I want every person on this planet to be saved. We open God's Word today together to be subject to it, to be taught by it, to be instructed. Let's go. What you're saying right now is, how did we get here? Well, because people do not believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Is ultimately, that's where it is. Yep. Being Reformed is more than just affirming the five solas. It's more than just affirming Tula. No one is outside the reach of Christ and His blood. If we are truly Reformed, there should be a sanctification, a desire to be sanctified by Christ, by holding onto as tight as we can the one who makes us white as snow. You can no more born yourself again than you born yourself the first time. Just so that you guys don't think we're just pulling stuff out of our cans here. Welcome to another episode of Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is a matter of theology. My name is Chris. I'm one of your hosts. I am joined by my brother and a co- the co-host, the creator of Matter of Theology, Mr. Drew Vanita. Matter of Theology exists to address church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint, regardless of what the popular, pragmatic, overly sensitive, winsome networks of the day may teach. Uh, We are so glad that you are here. We are uh, a part of the Christian podcast community. So go check out the Christian podcast community as well as the bar network. That is the biblical and reformed podcast network uh, where, man, there are so many fantastic podcasts to choose from, uh, to listen, to grow, to interact and to, uh, man, just, uh, just have some incredible content come your way. Uh, so welcome to this special edition, uh, another freestyle edition of Matter of Theology. And uh, we are coming to you today on June 24th, 2022 is when this is being recorded and um, coming up at the end of June. And today, uh, the Supreme Court ruled uh, to overturn uh, a precedent that has been uh, in place for 50 years um, the, the Roe versus Wade presidents, as well as the Dobbs decision were overturned today. And so we are going to talk about that. Uh, this is a topic that uh, both Drew and I are very passionate about. Um, we're on the same page about. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, we just wanted to hop on and talk about this because obviously, uh, with a decision like this, uh, that came on the heels of a decision that was, that was made yesterday, as far as the second amendment, um, it has been an incredible two days as far as the highest court in our land, the Supreme court, um, doing its job, doing what it's supposed to do, um, and, in 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 ensuring the rights, um, uh, available to all citizens and overturning a precedent um, that that made it possible um, for there not to be federal consequence for 
the murder of our most precious and innocent citizens of this country, the unborn. Um, so we wanted to just have a conversation about this and uh, no notes in front of us. Uh, I've got a couple of just news sites pulled up and a couple of responses that I've seen today that we wanted to talk through. Um, but brother, I'm going to turn it over to you, man. You've done a lot of work in this area. You've been very outspoken in this area. Uh, so, man, what um, what was your day like when you when you heard about this? And obviously, we we kind of had a heads up that it was coming. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, what what you got? Yeah. So uh, when when it first leaked that uh, the Supreme Court was discussing overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, I actually put out a podcast on my other podcast for life and godliness, uh, episode 18 about, you know, kind of what this means, kind of what led up to even the Roe v. Wade decision in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then in there I also answered some objections too. So kind of an apologetic, um, against abortion as well. But, uh, so I, I had no clue that they were actually handing down the decision today. So it came out and I, I saw everyone's posts on Facebook. And of course I was working. So mm-hmm. um, I wasn't really focused on, on much else, but work. So when I, when I start, when I saw it, I was like, Oh wow, this is huge. Yeah. Like, like it's huge. Yeah. Uh, just because it has been precedent for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you, you mentioned the, the Dodd case. So I'm, so I'm assuming you're talking about Mississippi Dodd, which was one that was, um, that's a recent case that yep. was basing its um, its ruling off of precedent of Roe v. Wade. So if you get rid of Roe v. Wade, well, now you have no basis for the Mississippi Dodd case. Uh, so, that, so that automatically gets thrown out as well. And it actually, if, if I'm if I'm thinking correctly, that case gets thrown back to the state and the the initial ruling of what the state uh, that's right came out uh, came up with. So, uh, but yeah, so looking at Roe v. Wade, we look at that and we go, amen, right? We we say amen, we rejoice, but but the question now is what happens, right? right? What happens next now that the Supreme Court has overturned Roe versus Wade? Because there's so much misconception there. There's a lot of people in the in, that would claim to be pro-life that say, "Okay, now you cannot kill your baby," so they think abortion is just ended. That's not true. That's not true. But then you have a lot of the pro-choicers that say, "Oh, well, now abortion is illegal, and so no one can get abortions ever." That's not true. That's not the case. Um, <clears throat> and you brought up a phrase, you know, before we started talking, you know, forced birth. You know, so so yeah. the women are going to be be made to have these forced births, and and so you just see people flipping out. You, uh, you, but you see misconceptions on both ends of people don't that don't actually understand what it means when this case was overturned. You even have um, false pastors, Im, impastors, imposter pastors, imposter like, pastors, impastors. I like that. Uh, like Raphael Warnock, who who <laughs> is in the Senate. Right. He's a senator. Wait, is he a senator or a representative? He's a senator, but let me let me uh, he, look, he is a reverend. I, I I put this out on Twitter today. He is a reverend and he is a pastor. Of but, and he is an under shepherd, and he's an under shepherd to those who worship the false and dead God and idol of Molech. So so yeah. I, I still would agree that he's a pastor, just 
Yeah. Not not an under shepherd under the chief shepherd. He's a pastor and he's a high priest of Satan, is what he is. There it is, brother. So so you've got Raphael Warnock who's putting out on his on his his Twitter things like, you know, uh, this you know the the decision and he's so distraught over this over he's the outraged is what he's outraged and and women aren't going to be able to make choices for well he doesn't he's in the senate and he doesn't understand how these things work and that's a problem hello look well, at who people are voting for they don't even know how the process in the system works and 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 that's it I, but but the thing is man i think he knows how the process works he's just playing the game i mean he's 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 deceptive i mean his I mean, his father is the devil john forty four and no, I, I I truly believe he knows that, but he's playing into the narrative to stoke the fire, to stoke the rage, and 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 to just placate to, like I said, the the those who worship at the at the feet of the dead god Molech. And to your point, that he's he's an under shepherd under Satan. Right. Um, I mean, but but I say maybe just because when we look out at people. And we just see so many people that have no clue about what the Constitution means, right. what the role and function of, of the judicial and court system is like people that think that the court can make law. Right. So we go back to things like a Burgerfeld, where the right. Burgerfeld decision came down. And now people think every state must therefore allow homosexual marriage. Well, that, that that's not what that means. So they think that courts can make law. And that's not the case. Um, so we just have a lot of people who don't understand the American function of government and constitutional Republic and, and how a governing document actually works. Right. Some of the people don't even know what's in the governing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. Um, that's true. I mean, you still, you still see people. I still see you because we were talking about the, uh, um, the right to bear arms, right? The, right. The, the decision that was just passed yesterday right. where, where they struck down, the Supreme Court struck down uh, a New York uh, law that was going to, was it New York? I think it was New York. New York. I was going to yeah. say, you have to show the intent and purpose of why you want to purchase a gun and carry it. And, blah, blah. and then going, after you do that, they may consider letting you. Right, right. That's a complete yeah. violation of the second, the, the second Amendment. But then you have people making this argument going, well, the Second Amendment was for muskets and stuff. And I go, if the Second Amendment's for muskets, then the First Amendment is for ink and quill. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> like, how do you want to play this? Okay. I think we should just take away all of the, 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 the pistols and the rifles from their security and give them muskets if that's how they feel. Yeah, right. Right. Or, or, or they say, well, well, that's for militia. And, blah, blah. and I'll go, no, no, no. That's actually a list. It's saying Second Amendment is for a well-regulated militia. But why? To protect the people from the state. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. And the, meaning in addition to the right of the people, not the right Correct. of the militia, the right of the, the people. people. Mm-hmm. And it's always when you see the people in the Constitution, it always means the greater people mm-hmm. in in the country so the right of the people to keep and bear arms so to possess and carry arms at their mm-hmm. at all times um should they so desire but <clears throat> so we just see a lot of people that don't know what's going on with the constitution how it right. functions the purpose of the courts what rulings mean what overturned rulings mean 
Um, and so people, when they look at the, the issue with abortion, they say, oh, well, we've taken a step back. We're going back to the 1800s and it's the handmaiden's tale and it's oh, this, that, and the other. And, and I'm going, okay, you're an idiot. Like yeah. you're an idiot. Go like take civics, you know, and government econ 101 again. Um, well, that, that, that's my thing, man. It's just, you know, I mean, you and I talk often, right? We, we talk about the fact of, of Christians, the inability of, of believers, professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to think biblically. There's uh, uh, John MacArthur said in an interview with Justin Peters this, this year um, that he recorded at the Shepherds Conference, Justin asked him, hey, what is the, the biggest threat to the church? And MacArthur answered, the, the, just a, an abysmal lack of biblical discernment, right? We've talked about that a ton. You and I have people's uh, Christians inability to think biblically, but it's the, the, the problem isn't just believers. The problem is people in general to stop and to think critically, to just process and think and take a step back to disconnect a little bit from your emotions. Um, that's something I hear Jocko Willink talking about as far as leadership, right? Being able to, to take a step back, to distance yourself from the situation, to remove the emotion, to be able to think process and make a decision. And when, when, when I, when I stop and, and I hear, and, and I'm reading these arguments and, um, and I just, I just want to just stop and say to people, think about what you're saying. Stop and think about what you're saying. I, you are advocating for murder. You are advocating for snuffing out the life, the breath, the heartbeat of, of a defenseless child in the womb. That child cannot defend themselves that, or the, itself. It can't. And this is what you're talking about. And you're talking about this. Why? Why do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. Well, my career, I shouldn't be forced to give birth. Forced by, you mentioned a second ago, we were talking about it offline. Forced pregnancies, forced birth. It's interesting to note that we've gone from in just maybe a year's time or two years at most, we've gone from this argument of it's a clump of cells. It's not actually alive. It's not actually a baby to you're not going to hands off my body, bodily autonomy. You don't get to tell me that I get to be forced to give birth. I mean, and, and so you're seeing language like that, which lets you know what? These people know it's a baby. They yeah. know it's a child. And I mean, President Biden, I don't even know if he recalls or knows what he was saying when he said it, but he's called it a baby. He's called it a child. And, and you continue to see the pride and the arrogance come out when people are arguing for abortion. Mm. You know what you're doing. And then you get the, no one's going to force me to do this bodily autonomy to which I ask the question, okay, uh, you know, you, you gave up your right to choose the moment that you engaged in the act that resulted in the pregnancy. That's right. That was when your, that, that, that was your choice. You don't want to get pregnant. Don't have sex. Right. Period. Mm-hmm. Period. That's the way it works. Every human being on the planet knows that. And so you have this argument of don't hands off my body. Don't force me to give birth. Stop and think about what you're saying. Stop and think about this. You are saying, I don't want to be forced to have this child. So kill it. 
Mm-hmm. Kill it. And then, I, I, brother, I, I just, that concept to me is, I mean, it literally makes my blood boil and it makes my stomach churn that people would argue for that and say that. I mean, it, it's not surprising because of what we read in scripture. It's just shocking yeah. that people would would go to 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 that length. And look, I'm going to share something and then I'll, I'd love to hear what, what your thoughts about this too. I can't even entertain the thought without it literally making me sick to my stomach to think that there are people who would willingly choose to do that so that they can continue to engage in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. Yeah, it used to be. And this was the mistake that R.C. Sproul made years ago when he wrote his book on abortion. It was the idea that you have to convince them first that it's a baby. If you can just convince them, then they will understand and then they won't seek abortion. Well, once he actually started going to the abortion mills with uh, uh, John Burroughs, who's a yeah. man that's out there um, every single day, he started realizing women don't need to be convinced it's a baby. They no, know they know. And, and what they actually say is they say, it's my baby. I can kill it if I want to. And that's, that's what they say. So he realized no longer do you have to try to convince anyone it's a baby. They know. And so, you know, all the arguments that you're, that you see online now that people still make, Oh, well, it's not a baby. It's a fetus. Okay. Well, fetus just means baby. Um, Or, well, it's a clump of cells or it's not alive. It's not a baby. It's those are people that actually don't know anyone that have gotten an abortion. Yeah. Because those people that go to the abortion mills know it's a baby because they say it. They say, mm-hmm. I can kill my baby if I want to. And you get to, to the whole reasoning. It is so that I can live in a sexually promiscuous life and mm-hmm. not have consequences. Yep. And how we arrived at that point is, well, it goes back to several other Supreme Court cases. Um, yeah. That were, I mean, we probably don't have time to walk through right now, but uh, <clears throat> well, you walked through it in in your episode that you did, didn't you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to to the okay. episode. It's really good. You guys need to listen to it. Um. So I walked through those, and basically, how we arrived here was the idea that sex should be sterile, and that should you get pregnant, abortion is the birth control used um to keep sex sterile. And so that's kind of how we arrived here. And then now that we're at this place in our society, when we look at our society, what we have is we have a bunch of overgrown brats. Okay. We have people that Amen. want to, we've got people that want to be satisfied. Now we got people that want what they want. They don't want yeah. to be told. No, they don't want any responsibility. Look at how many fathers don't teach their kids responsibility or just basic respect in general. Right. And and so you you can just go to your to to the local school and I saw this when I was a substitute teacher at a Christian school and I'm going who are these kids parents? Right. Like they're talking to me like I'm just like their big brother. Right. You know? and, and they're and they're trying to like they're they're trying to roast on me and disrespect me and use use profanity in a classroom. This is a Christian quote unquote Christian school. Yeah. And I'm like, it got to the point where I had to say, okay, clearly none of y'all here are actually Christians because you don't act like it. 
you know, and none of your parents, some of some of whom your dads are pastors, clearly don't teach the Bible because you're not growing in holiness. But right. if, if we just look at our society, we see, I mean, look at, look at what the internet has given us. Okay. The internet is a wonderful tool. It's given us yeah, a lot of good yeah. things, but with the invention of e-commerce, right? The idea that you can order everything online, right? It has developed fat, lazy brats. Okay. Now I can, I guarantee you, you can probably get a US grant to do research into the correlation between online shopping and obesity in America. Guarantee you. Go try it. Um, But because of e-commerce and all this ordering online and all this stuff, you don't have to go out. You don't have to engage with people. So you get a lot of keyboard warriors that like to sit online and and talk a lot of stuff online because they don't have to engage in people. And then they get what they want the next day. They order it. They're two day shipping and all this stuff and every, you know and and they don't have to do anything. When I when I deliver packages, you'd be surprised how many people don't realize my job is not to bring your bookcase in your house and set it up for you. Okay. My job is just to drop it off either at the garage or at the front door. Yeah. (laughs) But, but that is where our society is. It's a bunch of big brats. And so now when you relate that to sex, people think that sex is something just for pleasure that I can have now that there should be no consequences. It should be my way or the highway. Right. Um, and it should be just free flowing, no consequences, no babies, no nothing. I don't want any of that. And should that happen, I have a right to get rid of it. Re- send it back to the return. Okay. I'm just going to type on return to sender. Get, get, yeah. Get my return label, return to sender, come pick it up. I don't want anything to do with it. Okay. <clears throat> That's where we are as a, as a society. Yeah. And people fight tooth and nail. I've found people fight tooth and nail for their laziness and people fight tooth and nail um, (laughs) to not have responsibility. Yeah. And so a baby for, so, you know, I know we've got two babies, right? We've got a toddler that a two-year-old and we've got a six month old. Okay. We could not have, have planned that worse. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, but, and I'm sure our listeners have, have babies as well. And we know, and we know people who have lots of babies. All right. Yeah, Families yeah, that just have yeah. lots of babies. <clears throat> they are work. Yeah. They are a lot of responsibility. They're tiring. They're frustrating. Humbling. Humbling. <laughs> okay. I can't tell you how much I can't get done. Because I have to constantly watch my two-year-old because he now gets into everything and my, my six-month-old because he can't do anything. Right. Right. And so I work and my wife works. And so a lot of stuff doesn't get done that needs to get done because we have to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And it's work and it's a lot of responsibility. And people are going, oh, well... <clears throat> I can't have my, my vacation time and I can't have my, my career and I can't have my, my, my billion dollar house or whatever that I can't actually afford. And I can't have this and I can't have that if I have a baby. Well, like you said, 
then don't engage in the act that results in pregnancy. Right. Right. So, so right. don't tell me what to do, Drew. It's a right. I can do what I want. No, you give up that right. Okay. So one of the arguments is consent to sex is not consent to pregnancy, but it is. It absolutely is. Absolutely is. Okay. So it's not, pregnancy is not some like disease where, you know, <laughs> you sneeze and you catch it. Okay. It doesn't work that way. Okay. So only so many things can happen when you have sex, right? You, you, you're either going to get pregnant, you're going to get an STD, or you're going to get both. That's about it. Okay. So um, you, you're, when you engage in that act, you know, take your pick, which one you want, you know, um, one of those things is bound, especially if you're engaging in unprotected sex. Well, and let's, let's pause there for a second. You know, it's cause it's like, okay, everything we do, everything we do has consequences, everything. Okay. Um, we were, we were, before we hit the record button, um, you know, you were showing me what was behind you. I was showing you what was what was on my desk. Okay, uh, a, a a freedom stick with with uh, with freedom seeds in it. Okay, goes pew pew. Everybody, it's a gun. Anyway, um, I was trying. I don't know why I was doing that. Anyway, it's not social media, so it doesn't matter. Um, uh, but it's like, okay, look, man, if I put, <laughs> if I have if i if i give a magazine to you and i say i want you to put i want you to put one round in here okay one live round amongst 14 blanks in a 15 round magazine okay um and i point it at my my foot and i start pulling the trigger okay Th- there are going to be consequences to that action there are going to be consequences you can't you you can't do that and not expect to get not get shot okay you cannot engage in, in, in having sex with another person and not think that there's going to be consequences. Now, from a theological standpoint, I think the, a, a bigger issue here is you also have all these people who can engage in this because of sex outside of the context of marriage, whether it's homosexual, heterosexual, if it's outside of the context of marriage between one man and one woman is a sin. The law of God is written on the hearts of every person made in the image of God. Our conscience should be testifying against us when we sin against the Lord. What's happened is you have so many who have engaged in sinful acts so much that their conscience, that they have been seared. And they no, not only do they no longer feel the weight of the fact that they have sinned against a holy God, not only do they not feel that, they now desire that and then don't want the consequences to come along with it. Mm-hmm. So in turn, what they end up doing is going, okay, well, in this consequence, where now a child is in the mix, a, a, uh, someone that it, my body, my choice. Well, guess what? That body inside a woman's womb is not, is no longer your choice to decide whether that child lives or dies. Um, they, they just want to snuff that out. Um, that, that, that's how, that's how seared the consciences are of, of so many people out there who are just so rabid about this, uh, this whole issue. 
Um, so yes, there are consequences to that. You can't engage in this act and not expect there to be consequences. But farther than that, it is just a sad, sad and terrifying state to be in where you can engage in the practice of sin, in the practice of walking in darkness and not feel any sort of, of guilt or remorse. Obviously, I'm not even talking about repentance at this point. I'm just talking about the guilt and the remorse that you should feel for doing something that goes against the law of God. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that actually goes back to uh, the 50s and 60s, um, you know, and kind of how what you were talking about, you know, brought us to where we are this idea of just right fornication, right? Fornication right. at will with no consequences. Um, because sexual revolution. Sexual revolution, right. right. So we go back, and this is one of the things that I cover in that podcast, is there were laws at one time in many, many, many states against fornication. It was yeah. illegal to have sex outside of marriage. And so the sexual revolution was kind of a big uh, protest against that. Um, <clears throat> and so, so you had cases like, Griswold versus Connecticut, Einstadt versus Baird, um, <clears throat> that kind of paved the way to this idea of free love, free sex, no consequences, uh, Roe v. Wade, kill your baby on demand, you know, no consequences, whatever you want. Right. And so uh, now, given our time, because of all those things, and people have actually become desensitized to it. So there's actually, you know, in golly, I mean, since since you and I have been growing up just this, mm -hmm. uh, since we were kids to now that just this idea, um, that, you know, saving yourself for marriage for, for your wife is, Oh, well, that's an ancient thing. You know, right. that, you know, you got to test drive the car before you buy it, you know, oh, man. right. And that's kind of been what's in, been ingrained in our culture, even back when we were kids and probably even before then, Yeah, you know, and so that was promoted. And so people have become desensitized to that idea. And so when you get to the church, what do you have in church now? You have a lot of people that are actually living together that aren't married Bro. And, and, and they're serving in the church and they're, while they're living in sin. And so you, you, you basically have people who, are, who want the benefits of marriage, but they're not married. So when my wife and I were engaged, we were a part of a church, very, very seeker sensitive. This church was on Rick Warren's top 51, I don't remember, 5,100, 500, something like that churches in America where the pastor got to go to Saddleback and receive this award and all this stuff. Super seeker sensitive, super, you know, hey, you know, if you're leading music at an event, don't pray if it's outside, if it's not on a Sunday, because people are just here for the event. Uh, I mean, stuff like that, man, playing secular songs to open uh, worship gatherings, et cetera, so on and so forth. So we went through, we, we did like a premarital class and um, at this church and brother, we were the only couple, I'd say there were probably seven or eight couples in there. I think we were the only couple that wasn't already living together. And when we went to do premarital counseling, we sat in the pastor's office. He's still the pastor of this church. 
Um, and we said, well, hey, man, what about premarital counseling? And I kid you not, this is what he said to us verbatim. Oh, you guys are good. <laughs> That's what he said. You guys are good. <laughs> what? No, what we're asking for this. Like what? Wow. Um, yeah. When, when Brandy and wow. I got engaged, right. So at the time I really didn't have a place to live. And right. so I was, I was living on her parents' couch in their living room. And when her brother wasn't there, I was staying in his room and Brandy and her sister stayed downstairs. Um, and so I was kind of on the main level. After even when we got engaged, and then I bought a house. We weren't married yet. I bought a house in October. We were getting married in November. We still didn't live together. I moved yeah. into the house. We yeah. cleaned up, and I moved into the cleaned up the house. I moved into the house That's what until we, did. we got married, and then she moved in. Now in yeah. that time, we were moving her stuff over, but she still wasn't yeah. living there. Well, we got our we got our first house in May, uh, and then got married in October. So, and I moved into the house first and, and then, I mean, she, she moved in after we got back from honeymoon. So, um, yeah, man, but, but going, I mean, going back to what you were saying, it's just this, 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 this attitude and this shirking of, of, of sanctification, holiness, holy living, um, and, uh, coming from, from, from the church. Um, and we've all been there, right? We've all had those moments in our lives where, where sanctification is a struggle. I get that. I get that. And, but that doesn't excuse the consequences that come from, from, from that, um, and from anything that may or may not take place during that time. And so, I mean, probably also a correlation between lack of responsibility of pastors and elders and leadership. And then the people saying, oh, well, since my pastors and elders and other leadership aren't actually responsible in their job, well, wh- why do I need to be responsible over here, right? So let's take the idea of, of pastors just um, taking responsibility of pastor and you know the job of discipleship and counseling and things like that. And then you're outsourcing that to someone else who's probably not qualified to handle those things. Well, what are you doing? You're actually not doing anything. You're getting rid of your responsibility. So now why do the people think that they need to be responsible in anything that they do? Or you have a pastor whose responsibility is, is to be, <clears throat> as, the, as the messenger of God, the spokesman of God on a Sunday morning, if, he, if, if you can't tell that he's growing in sanctification, that he's growing in holiness, that the gospel has actually changed his life and impacted his life. If you can't tell that, if he would rather be at home drinking beer than preaching God's word, okay, why do the people need to listen to him and go, oh, well, I don't need to grow in sanctification. Clearly, he's not. You know, well, well, I think there's a correlation between in responsibility between that as well. So not just the culture infecting the church, but also the culture really infecting the pastor and the pastor being the chief display of not growing in holiness and sanctification. And then the, the, the congregation falling suit going, well, if he doesn't need to, I don't need to. If these elders can get drunk and it's no problem, why can't I get drunk? Right. Well, and it, it goes back to a lack of a fear of God. We we don't we we don't we don't know God, therefore we don't fear God. And when that happens, we think, oh well, I can just 
you know, antinomian ta- antinomianism takes place, licentiousness and apo- all sorts of apostasy. Um, and, and, and then you see stuff like that. You see stuff where it's like, you know what? No, it's, it, it's okay. We're, we're going to make this brief this morning. Why are we going to make this brief? Oh, because it's Father's Day and I want to go home and put something in my sweet tea glass. Come on, man. Come on. You know, and then going back to what we're talking about right now, it's, you know, you have, you, you have so many, so many people inside the church, going back to what you were saying, going back to the story I shared and the things that we've seen. And as far as the overly pragmatic networks and seeker sensitive churches and stuff like that, there's no reverence and godly fear. And it was John Bunyan that said, he said, quote, without reverence and godly fear, we cannot serve God acceptably, period, close quote. And so what you're seeing is, is you're seeing judgment you're seeing judgment, the judgment of God. You're seeing the wrath of God. Where is that taking place first? It takes place first inside the church, scripture tells us. But then when, what you're seeing is, is now, I mean, you're seeing this, uh, this downfall of a, of a society. And when you see God's wrath, I mean, Romans 1, we've talked about Romans. We went through Romans 1 systematically, verse by verse on this podcast. And, but as a reminder, like, wh- wh- where does this start? Well, it, it starts with a first a, a denial of of. of the existence and the attributes of who God is. We see, we see in Romans 1, starting in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. We t- I just talked about that, conscience and the law of God written on the, on the heart of those made in the image of God. But then Paul continues, verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them. I read that, sorry, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, both his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. The the, the, The attributes of creation reflect their creator. The attributes of creation testify to the existence, the majesty, and the power of God. So where does this, 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 this downfall of a society starts? It first starts against those who try to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Those who try to hold a beach ball full of air underwater, it is going to pop up and pop you in the face. That's what's going to happen. So, so you, you, you first reject that. You try to suppress that truth. You try to deny the existence of God, whether that is in word or deed or word and deed. And Paul says, look, it's clearly understood. Everyone is without excuse. For even though they knew God, verse 21, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish heart was darkened professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the likeness of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. They worshiped the creation instead of the creator. Then what happens? Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Sexual revolution. There it is. And then now it is, Paul continues. You, you, you can go and read Romans 1. Go check out our episodes that we did on Romans 1. But, but this is- To uh, homosexual revolution. 
And then it continues Absolutely. The, the, the degrading mind, which unfit. Yep. Now unfit we see this, this idea of men can be women, women can be men. Somehow children now have the right to choose their own gender. Uh, men trying to be women in order to win NCAA swimming titles, which right. they were just banned from that. You know, praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the continual downfall yep. of a society. And, and, I mean, just look at look at the comparison between America and Rome. Right. Right. Well, and to your point, man, Paul wrote down in verse 28, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to an unfit mind to do those things which are not proper, having been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, violent, arrogant, boasters, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the righteous requirement of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. Does that not sound like what Raphael we're experiencing Warnock. right now? Raphael Warnock. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, inventors that, of evil. Man, that is our society. And that's actually been our society for, for a, a while. Time. Mm-hmm. But how many churches don't preach on Romans chapter one? And so yeah. they don't really understand that. That's not winsome enough, Drew. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to win anybody because that ain't my job. My job is to proclaim the truth. And the Holy Spirit uh, draws them. So, uh, sorry. I, I, the, the, the moment I start trying to be winsome is trying to get a job title that uh, is belongs is, to God. Is not for me. That belongs to God. That's right. Um, so, but let's just, uh, I mean, let's just kind of keep moving on to, to yeah. this, the, the, this idea of, okay, so the Supreme Court overturned Roe. Right. Now, what does that actually mean? Is abortion done? No. Um, not yet. Not yet. Right. So there are some states who went ahead and moved today, but go ahead. Yeah. So first we need to understand how a Supreme Court ruling works and what it act what it actually means. So the Supreme Court gives an opinion on a case. Okay. They just give a ruling. They give their opinion about a particular case, but that does not make that opinion the law of the land. Right. So the only, so Roe versus Wade was never a law and it actually did not really grant federal protection for abortion. What? In order for it to be a law, what has to happen is, and we can direct you back to um, the bill sitting on Capitol Hill, Schoolhouse Rock, is that Congress has to write a bill. That bill is introduced to um, to into the the Assembly of Congress, and it has to Mm -hmm. pass both the the House and it has to pass the Senate. Once it passes both of those, it then goes to uh, the executive branch, which is the president, and the president can either sign it or he can veto it. 
he doesn't have to accept it. Right. And so then it then all it does is it goes right back down to Congress. They may make some changes or whatever, but it's got to be voted on and passed through both the House, House and the Senate, and it has to be signed into law by the executive branch. And that was never done with Roe. All they did was give an opinion. So now people think, oh, well, you have to do abortions because abortions are legal in, in the Supreme Court, blah, blah, blah. Nope. Actually, no. Nope. A state can pass a law that makes abortion illegal and criminalizes it. And in fact, in Arizona, there is a law that makes abortion illegal, but they yep. don't recognize it because the state bows down to the Supreme Court, assuming that what the Supreme Court has said is the law of the land. Well, that's not true. Right. Arizona was fully within their right as a state to enforce uh, abortion as being illegal. But now since Roe v. Wade is overturned, it means there's no longer precedent. Uh, Supreme Court precedent for for abortion. And so what it does is it gets turned, all these these decisions get turned back over to the states. So now you have what's called states' rights or sovereign states. Which which is what our founding fathers wanted. Which is what our founding fathers wanted. So if you read the Federalist Papers, the Federalist Papers is actually the commentary to understanding the United States Constitution. The Federalist Papers actually lay out that we were not intended to be a nation. The, the United States was never intended to be one nation. It was intended to be a collection of sovereign states, which is right. why it's called the United, United states. states. And that's why each state has their own constitution. Yep. Now, the United States Constitution kind of acts as referee between all the other states and their constitutions. And the limitation is placed on Congress, how Congress shall make no law. But what, is the, what does that really do? It, it makes it so that Congress can't infringe upon the rights of the people, but it also can infringe upon the rights of the states to make Correct. their laws as well, which Correct. is why if you don't like the laws in one state, you have the right to move to another state. There you go. You do agree with their laws. So, <clears throat> so uh, the, the decision gets turned back over to the states, yep. and each state now has the, the right and the ability to pass their own legislation regarding abortion. So you're going to have some states like those, the very liberal states like uh, California, like mm-hmm. uh, New York, Illinois. Probably Virginia, since Virginia, I think, was the one where they wanted to do like um, postpartum abortions. Um, right, right. You know, years ago, that I think it came out in 2019. They they were trying to introduce a bill to do that. But you've got all of these these liberal states <clears throat> that are probably going to pass legislation to make abortion legal to protect killing babies. You right. have other states that are probably going to pass. Um, legislation that's going to regulate abortion. Well, no abortion passed this time or for this reason. Then you have other states that are probably going to criminalize abortion, which is what it should be because murder is criminal. So um, I I think Oklahoma might be one of those states that's going to criminalize abortion. Um, Right. Yeah. Georgia is one where we're going to regulate it, but we're going to regulate it down to six weeks. So, you know, you've got that, that heartbeat bill. If it passes through the the state house and state senate, 
Um, but basically it doesn't, the fact that Roe was overturned, all that does is it pushes it back down to the States. And this is actually where the fight continues. So the fight isn't over. Now we rejoice, we rejoice that it's been overturned. Amen. We, We say, we say, hallelujah, amen. We rejoice, we praise, we worship God, but the fight now goes to the state. And so you have, you actually have a lot of people who are involved at the state level trying to pass bills or introduce bills into Congress about um, criminalizing abortion. So Jeff Durbin is one of these guys that has worked um, with drafting, helping local legislators draft bills in different states to criminalize abortion. Brett Baggett, our friend, is is another one who has done that. Darren Stid, um, a friend, uh, he's the the president of Operation Save America. He has worked as a political consultant, and he knows a lot of people at the state level. And I, I think he he does some work in trying to get that done as well. Um, <clears throat> so it doesn't end abortion. No, it pushes it to the states, and now we have to fight at the state level, right? In order to criminalize abortion, and abortion should be criminalized. So absolutely. The mother should be held accountable for premeditated murder. The doctor should be held accountable as the hired assassin to kill the baby. That's correct. Right? And and so I'm not on board with this idea that oh the mother is a victim. No she's not. Nope. She knows exactly what she's doing in wanting to kill her baby. Correct. And she should be held accountable for it. Correct. Correct. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think it's, it, that's, that's important to, to remember when you see, uh, when you see the, the president of the United States, uh, you know, get on a, get behind a podium and say the constitutional right has been taken away. Uh, the constitutional it right, never there. it was never there. Um, th- this is all just rhetoric again, to stoke, uh, to, to stoke the fire, to, to let, win the political let, fight. Go let ahead. me say something about that real quick. Go for so, it. So when, this idea of the constitutional right, this is all that all of this falls under the 14th Amendment and what they call an implied right to privacy, because yeah. the right to privacy is never actually listed in the Constitution. OK, um, so this goes all the way back to Griswold versus Connecticut in 1965. That was the first time we actually see this idea of an implied right to privacy under the 14th Amendment. And so it was used 1965, Griswold versus Connecticut. It was used in 1972, Einstein versus Baird. It was used in um, uh, Kerry versus Population Services International 1977, which that was the one, interestingly enough, that said you no state is allowed to prohibit the distribution and selling of contraception to minors people under the age of 16. So they were promoting the idea of kids engaging in sexual acts. So that was where the 14th Amendment was also used, and it was also used in, uh, in Roe versus Wade. Yep. And so, but the idea of you don't imply something into the text, right? The whole, if something is not explicitly listed in the Constitution, as a constitutional issue, it stays with the states. It's not to be, it's, it's not to go up to the Supreme Court. And so the Supreme Court 
actually has loads of cases, right? They oh, reject, yeah. they reject tons of cases every single year. The reason they reject them is because they're not actually constitutional issues. The Supreme Court makes rulings as to whether something may or may not be constitutional. Right. And so they reject a lot of cases every single year because they don't actually fall under the constitutional basis. So it, it just goes back to the ruling of the state. What all of these should have done, these cases that I just listed out, and especially Roe v. Wade, Mm-hmm. Because there's not an actual right to privacy listed in the Constitution, it should have remained in the states. Correct. Correct. And that 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 is that is important. That is important to it's it's important to know. It's important to remember. But you know, I go back to something that we said just a little bit ago. It's like how many people actually know that? Right. You need to know your rights, but you also need to know what rights you don't actually have. <laughs> right, right. No, absolutely, man. I, I mean, look, right? People think they have so many rights that they don't actually have, right? Like, I have a right to kill my baby. No, you don't. Your baby no. has a right to life. Yes. That's what your baby has a right to. Right. And that, that right there, the, that right there actually is biblical. Right. And by the way, just for our uh, extreme right folks that may be listening, um, all biblical truth, all biblical truth is, is higher than anything any government could ever write and put out. Uh, biblical authority stands above everything else ever that ever has been or ever will be written. Um, so we have well, to remember I, that. Go yeah. Ahead. And I'm glad you said that because this pertains to the church. And this is what I saw. Um, Brandon shared this on Facebook. I thought it was awesome. Um, it says two things are true today. One row was overturned yep. and two, the church must still repent or bowing before the idol of judicial supremacy. The church has bowed down. And we saw how many times did we see this just dealing with the state in COVID-19, right? The idea of all these Romans 13 services that were given that were complete garbage that completely misconstrued Romans 13 that said, well, well, if the government's not uh, telling you to sin, then, you know, just do what the government says. Wrong. That's not what that means. That's yep. not what that says. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so the, 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 even the church itself has bowed to the state. Yeah. And especially on the issue of abortion, because there yep. was yep. a time when the SBC themselves supported abortion, when abortion yeah. was actually backed by the church. Now, thankfully, yeah. they repented of that. Yeah, yeah. But we there's a lot more repenting to do. Absolutely. Well, going back to Romans 13, man, it's something you were just talking about a second ago when it comes to uh, uh, knowing the law of the land, knowing what the Constitution says, knowing what's in the Declaration of Independence, knowing what the Federalist Papers say. You know, Romans 13 starts out, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. How can you be in subjection to something you don't know? You, you need to know what your rights are. You need to know what the law of the land states in order to accurately and correctly and faithfully be able to be in subjection to those governing authorities. But to your point, what we were just talking about a second ago, Paul continues, for there is no authority except from God. We have to remember that. And, and going back to what I said a minute ago, it's the law of Yahweh that is perfect, not the law of the land. It is the law of Yahweh that restores the soul. 
not the law of the land. We have got to remember that. We've got to remember that scripture is the highest authority that's out there. And, and we have to be in subjection to it when it comes to what, 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 scripture, what the scriptures teach according to life. When did life begin? Scripture teaches that life begins in the mind of God. We like to say life begins before conception. Life begins in the mind of God. But we have to, we, we have, that's where we have to go. We have to go to the scriptures. We have to be able to think to, through these things biblically, theologically. Um, and so many, so many professing evangelical Christians don't and aren't and have been, are, are, are being loud about bodily autonomy. But I mean, you just said it a minute ago. Well, what happened to that argument a, a year and a half ago? You know, when it was being, we're being told we, if we don't get vaccines, we don't love our neighbor. If we don't wear a mask, we don't love our neighbor. You have to do this. You have to do this. I mean, there were those inside the government that wanted to make it a law that you had to be vaccinated to get a job and provide for your family. Now, there is actually a precedent for them to do that. I know. And that goes back to 19. I have it. I have it in my, in my notes. In my, I'm going to, I'm going to pull it up. Oh, okay. So it goes back to Buck versus Bell, 1927. Forced sterilization is what that was about. Look it up. Okay. But that actually sets precedent for uh, the idea of forced vaccinations today. But let's go back to this idea of of abortion, the church. Abortion, this is not just a social issue. Okay. No, no. It's not. It's not just a law of God issue. It's 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 not just an emotional issue. It's a it's a christological issue. Amen. And the reason it's a christological issue is because of how Christ became incarnate and entered the world, and he right. entered it through the womb of a woman. So think about this: Christ, as a baby in the womb was still upholding the entire universe. So abortion is not just not just a law issue, not just a law of God issue, not just um, a social issue. It's a Christological issue. So to right. any way advocate for the murder of babies is actually to go against Christ and right. the incarnation of Christ, which then undoes, seeks to undo everything that Christ did when he came. Man, that's it, brother. Sorry, it's thundering pretty out here. <laughs> right when you finished that statement, that was pretty cool. It, it absolutely does, man. It absolutely does. So, so brother, let me ask you a question, man. How, um, you know, so we've talked about the, the fact that we, we as believers now, we, we, we rejoice, right? We rejoice in what has happened. The fact that this precedent has been overturned, we rejoice um, that, that something that that's many, many believers have fought for and been outspoken about now for, for so long. We, we rejoice, we give God praise and glory and honor. Um, we understand now and we're seeing now the, uh, those who love their sin and those who love the darkness rather than the light. That's John 3, uh, 19 through 21. We're seeing that. So we pray for them, um, man. But, but how, how do we respond to this? Like, what are some things we can do now, um, obviously, to continue the fight? But then how do we respond? Yeah. R- responding is always the hardest thing. 
because a lot of times this seems like it is a fight, right? And it, it, I mean, discussions turn into arguments very quickly and they turn into heated arguments very quickly. Right. Because, because I mean, just the topic, I mean, it is an emotional uh, discussion Yeah. because you're, because you're talking about people that, you know, may have, may have had an, there's a gnat like, right. Um, but you're talking to people who may have had an abortion, right? right. Maybe right. they feel some sort of guilt and shame, right? You're talking about people who may have, have, have had an abortion because of rape, right? And now though, while those are extremely rare, right? Do, they, it has happened. Okay. You're talking about, or they know someone, or, um, you're talking about people who just, they think their version of Christianity is just to love on people regardless of whatever sin there is. And so they actually end up affirming all of these sins. Um, that, that's very, very, very common when you don't actually preach the gospel. So responding is always the hardest part because there's two sides of the ditch, right? Right. We want to be loving, but loving, if we're too, too loving, it can get into affirming mm-hmm. right? the, the sin. Yep. yep. But we also don't want to be too harsh because we can end up, shunning that person or, or, um, actually making them feel like there's no hope. Right. Um, so, so we have, we have to walk that line of, we, we give the gospel, we give the truths. Okay. We, we present Christ, we present our arguments, um, our, our refutations for their arguments, but then we also have to love on them as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, one of the things that, uh, that it, it, it was a show that, that aired last night, and you know we're we're kind of regulars on Apologetics Live uh, with Andrew yep. Rappaport and yep. kind of discussions through there. But Andrew had on Mark Spence last night, and they were talking about abortion, right? And Mark Spence is an evangelist, and he does work with Living Waters and Right Comfort and and things like that. <clears throat> I actually think he's on staff at, at living waters, but uh, okay. he, he's an open air preacher and evangelist and all these things. And, and he discusses abortion, but he was talking about, you know, how do you respond to people who bring up the argument of rape? You know, mm-hmm. well, what about rape? And it, if we just step back for a moment, that's always kind of the peop- the, the argument people try to use as the gotcha, right? Oh, well, what about rape? Well, okay, first of all, that rape, incest, life of the mother combined make up less than 1% of all abortions. Okay, so that can't kind of, that that can't be the catalyst of your argument when it makes up almost none of the abortions that are taken. Correct, correct. However, let's talk about it though, right? Yeah, yeah, let's have the conversation. And and so Mark kind of goes into it and he says, well, why did you bring that up? Why was that the argument? that you're that you're talking that, that that you brought up um and so usually there's some kind of underlying issue and the, he, he's in this kind of it hit me because some people they what they really need is they need an arm around them and they need someone to guide them right because they've been so influenced by the culture they've been so influenced by the world and this idea of you are your own God and therefore you can do whatever you want and you should be happy and you should have whatever you want and no responsibilities and blah, blah, blah. But what they really need is an arm around them 
Mm. they need to be walked through some of these things in kind of a gentler manner, right? We talk about tone all the time. Like we don't care, right. <laughs> but sometimes, but sometimes there is a need for what we'll call a pastoral approach. Sure. Right? sure. The idea of, okay, let me, let me kind of come down off my soapbox and let me engage with this person um, it, in a more sympathetic manner. And let me guide them through these things because sometimes they've experienced unkindness um, and what they need to be shown is kindness. And it's that kindness that leads to repentance, right? And they've been shown that, you know, show them where they've been shown the kindness of God. Um, And when you get into this idea of rape, especially rape is horrific. Um, Mm. It uh, it, it is, it's sinful rapists, I believe, according to God's law, uh, yes. Should be put to death. Yes, I believe rape deserves a death yes. penalty. Yes, yes, but it happens, and so um, <clears throat> a lot of rape victims they walk around with this sense of guilt and this sense of shame, and kind of these scars that no one really knows that they're carrying. And now it's not their fault, right? We we, we wouldn't say it's their fault. Um, but nevertheless, they, they, they carry these things as though it is their fault. Yeah. And so one of the things that Mark says in this, and, and it kind of blew me away is just the idea that, well, Satan tries to define you by your scars, mm. but Christ defines you by his. <sighs> bro, so good. So no matter what you have, what gone a needed through, reminder, bro. Yes. No matter what you have gone through, what has been done to you. Christ's scars are what redeems you. His life is what redeems you. And so when we come to Christ, we must therefore get rid of, of we'll say, justifications for murdering babies. Yeah. We have to get rid of that. And we have to get rid of whatever, uh, however means the baby came up, uh, the, the, the baby was produced as well. So, was it was it rape? Okay, we don't punish the innocent baby for the wicked sins of the father. Okay, yeah. Can we hang on? Let, 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 let me hang on one second because because I think uh, I want to I want to camp here for a second. Okay, because I think this is important. Um, it's it's important to as a reminder, and you and I still have to record this episode um, on the sovereignty of God. And this is where, so I want to, I want to go back to something you said. I want to go back um, because uh, I feel like this is, this is, this is incredibly important. Um, you know, and, and you and I have used this quote before um, multiple times. I think, uh, no, there's one specific episode where I know I, I quoted it, but it was, uh, it was John Calvin who said, quote, the pastor ought to have two voices, one for gathering the sheep and another for warding off and driving away wolves and thieves. The scripture supplies him with the means of doing both, period, close quote. So I think as, as believers, we need to understand something that this applies to us as well. That there needs to be times when we stand up and we say, no, this is not the truth, mark and avoid. Um, and and, and we, the, the soapbox needs to be there. The correction needs to be there. The rebuke needs to be there. Um Absolutely. Amen. And right on. And then there are times from a, from a pastoral standpoint 
from a shepherding standpoint, from a caring standpoint to love your neighbor as yourself in, in, in the correct context, rightly divided. Um, I think it's important to say, um, this is where it's a Galatians six situation where you come up underneath someone and you shoulder that with them. You put your arm around them. Yes. You tell them the truth. You don't shy away from the truth, but you love them. You care for them. Um, you remind them of the sovereignty of God. It was, it was Charles Spurgeon who said, quote, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head, period, close quote, famous quote, right? But it's, it's a reminder of the sovereignty of God. And we're, remin- we're reminded through the gospel we see in Isaiah 53 that it's, it's by the stripes of God, the, the, the stripes of Christ that we are healed. Yes, that's a, that applies to salvation, but that also, that also should give us comfort and, um, and, and encouragement for any type of tribulation or trial or heartache um, that we may walk through in this life. So it's, it's by, it, we, I, I love that, man. It's, it's not being reminded of our scars, but, but being reminded of, of, of the, the scars of our Savior, the scars of Christ. We identify with Christ first and foremost. Um, that's incredibly important to keep in the forefront of your mind, to keep in your heart, uh, to journal, to pray. Um, man, I, I just so I, I just I just wanted to camp there for a second. And well, and, no, that's because uh, that's a good way to respond by exalting Christ. Yes, because, exactly. Because who experience? Um, liberties being taken with their body that didn't deserve it. Christ. He's the only one. Christ can sympathize with the rape victim because what is rape? It's liberties being taken with someone else's body that they have no right to take. Right. Um, Christ experienced that and he was sinless and he was perfect. Right. So you exalt Christ in those situations. That's right. And then you act and then, you know, I'm glad that you went to, the sovereignty of God, because one of the things that Mark says is he gets this uh, this rebuke all the time or this this argument that, well, where was God when this and this happened, right? Where was God when this happened to this child, or right. where was God when um, this happened to this person? And he said. God was this in, in the same place where he was when his son mm. had these things happen to him. He was on his throne. And so how do we, res- how do we respond? We exalt Christ. We point yeah. people to Christ because yep. look, nothing I can say to someone is going to be able to heal someone no. is, or is going to be able to satisfy someone's answers. But if I point them to Christ, that's right. Christ is the one that has the answers. If I point them to Christ and give them the gospel, and then I rest on the fact that the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit says he does, then I can, I can have faith that the Holy Spirit will actually comfort that person. That's right. And so, so how do we respond? Well, we shouldn't respond with the idea of, well, we want to be right and win the argument, and we just want to prove this person wrong. We should respond with wanting to exalt Christ and point people to him. That's how That's we right. should that's right. That's right. Amen. Amen, brother. For from him and through him 
and to him are all all things to him be the glory forever amen you know romans 11 30 11 36 so um that's good man that is so good so good and 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 a needed a needed reminder for for all of us um so man we 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 praise we like i said before we praise the lord for uh today we praise god that he uh in his grace and mercy um before the foundation of the world uh chose that today we would see uh roe Ro versus wade overturned uh this precedent removed and and uh the decision being being sent back to the states and thankfully today we've seen um we've seen a number of states already uh pull the trigger uh so to speak and and in, in making abortion illegal um uh, may may god may god grant more um that that, that would do so um so uh so brother what what would you say man um what would if you were just looking at this and and what what do you see what do you see happening next with this situation um <clears throat> i actually probably see um well first because it's already happened is this becoming a huge political talking point for the midterm elections yep um you're going to see especially in states like georgia you're going to see huge pushes for Stacey Abrams to be governor so yep. that Georgia can be a state that allows a, a baby murder. Yeah. Um, as, as well as you're going to probably see pushes for super liberal senators and representatives so that they can try to introduce legislation into um, <clears throat> Congress to try to make abortion a law. And there's actually, there is a, a bill already in the, in uh, Congress. Um, I believe it's passed the House, but it hasn't passed the Senate. Um, it might actually be stalled in the Senate, I believe. Um, I think it was a bill that Nancy Pelosi actually introduced. But essentially what it would do is it would make a, abortion a law. It, it would actually make it a, a law in the country. And so we don't want that. Um, right. That for sure. So <clears throat> one of the things we need to do is we need to make sure that we're voting <laughs> right for people that uh, are against abortion and want to abolish abortion, uh, not just regulate abortion, but abolish abortion. That's right. That's important. So, but those are some of the kind of where I see it going, kind of the next steps, because Biden's already come out and he said abortion is on the ballot. Um this fall. And he's absolutely right. Cause we've got here, here in Georgia, we've got the governor's race, um, mm -hmm. between, uh, Kemp and Stacey Abrams and Stacey Abrams, I believe is an evil, evil woman. Oof, uh, yes, sir. I mean, if you just look at her name, Stacey Yvonne Abrams, <laughs> it's six, six, six. I'm just, <laughs> that's for my disc friends out there. That's two episodes you've mentioned that in now, man. That's <laughs> for my Disney friends out there. Um, <clears throat> but uh, uh, I believe she, she is. She's an evil woman. I agree. Um, deceptive to the core. She, she is deceptive. And she even said Georgia is not the greatest place to live. Okay, well, then why do you want to be its governor? Um, yeah, right. You know, so I actually believe Georgia is a great place to live. And in fact, I think Governor Kemp has been a inc an incredible governor. Yeah, I think he's done a great job. Georgia was one of the first ones to open up at, um, 
after the pandemic because yep. because Governor Kemp said, okay, enough is enough. People got to go back to work. People got to make a living. Um, he was one of the first ones that ended the extended um, unemployment benefits. Yep. He said, okay, you're not going to live free off the government. Okay, you, you go to work. Um, yeah. Get off your butt and go to work. <clears throat> so I believe... And I also believe he's a great man of integrity. When Donald, Donald Trump asked him to do something that was probably illegal, but it was something that was actually out of Kemp's hands and control, Kemp said, right. no, nope. I can't do that. Yep. Um, and so, but then even still when Trump trashed Kemp, Kemp said he still supports Donald Trump. So he's a great man of integrity. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> so we in your local state, wherever you're listening to, uh, listening to us from your local elections are important because now with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, you're going to have these super progressive liberal um, advocates of baby murder that want to be elected. And they're going to use the rhetoric such as women's health care, yeah. women's rights. They're, they're going to throw phrases like forced birth. Okay. Out there in, in order to, to, to scare like you said that, by the way. Yeah, in order to scare you um, to thinking that your rights are being taken away. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I think that's kind of where things are headed now. It, now it's going to become even more politicized through oh, yeah. the midterm elections, yeah. and it's and it's going to carry on over um, to the twenty twenty four presidential election. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say, I, and, and just answering that same question, I would say uh, that, that believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to. That there are a few things that we need to remember, um, and 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 we saw the fruit of that today um, when this passed. Uh, number one, um, elections have consequences. Um, you know, for for yeah, we're living it. Yeah, yeah seriously, we're living that, in, and we got in, another two years. It, it, well, we're living that in, on multiple facets, right? Oh, yeah. We we saw the, the result of the result of having Donald Trump in office, like him or not, is is one of the things that one of the fruits of of having him in office came about today and yesterday. <laughs> um, is is having a Supreme Court who who really does desire to try to, uh, for the most part, stick to the constitution. Um, so it's important to remember that elections have consequences um, for our, the majority of our listeners are here in the state of Georgia. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's be honest. Um, um, and uh, especially here in the United States, obviously, but um, so vote, you have to get out there and vote. And um, when it comes to who you vote for and how you vote, uh, you need to you need to again scour the scriptures, find find those who uh, desire to hold to biblical truth, um, the desire to allow biblical truth to influence the laws that are written and upheld. Um, now that said, um, it's 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 in, there are a couple of resources that I want to point everyone to, and I'll link these in the show notes. Um, our, our brothers, uh, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker have a, a phenomenal episode, The Doctrine of Elections. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, they have a book as well, Just Thinking About the State, um, that, that walks through a lot of these, a lot of these issues, from, again, from a biblical standpoint. Um, that said, um, let, let me say this. While that needs to be the goal for us as believers that we exercise our right to vote and in, in, in placing people in office and in place that will um, that will 
be resolved when it comes to uh, standing for for biblical truth. Um, it's it's important to remember that also that you cannot legislate righteousness. You can legislate morality, but you cannot legislate righteousness. Righteousness and holy living only come from a changed heart. Righteousness and holy living only come when spiritual heart surgery is done by the Holy Spirit as the, as the Lord wields the sword of the word of God when the gospel is proclaimed and the Lord replaces that heart of stone with a heart of flesh that has the ability to adhere to the law of God found in the scriptures. I say all that to say it is never more important for every professing believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill the great commission. It is up to, we are, we are what the Lord uses to make disciples. It's important to understand that. Matthew 28, Jesus came up to them and spoke and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to keep all I have I, I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to be living the gospel, breathing the gospel, sharing the gospel, um, and 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 teaching, teaching people from every every walk of life, every tribe, nation, and tongue to keep all that Christ has commanded. The gospel, the life, death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins has to be uh, on, always, always on, on the tips of our tongues, ready to share, ready to proclaim. And we need to be praying that the Holy Spirit will wield that sword um, and save souls as he's promised to do. Um, so that's, that's important to remember. It's important to remember while, while laws and, and, and this stuff is fantastic. Um, it's, we, we, we serve a God who not only can kill the body, but can also kill the soul in hell. And we need to be sharing the gospel and petitioning the Lord to save his elect as we do so. Um, it is the sovereignty of God that ensures success in our evangelism. And we have to understand that now is the time to be evangelizing. Now is the time to be sharing the gospel. And then the last thing I had, brother, was we, um, we need to be experiencing true biblical unity with other possessing, uh, other believers possessing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some of us um, who who will be more on the incrementalist abortion than staunch, hardcore abolitionists as we all should be. So let's remember that um, our brothers and sisters who may not be exactly where we are, that we are not quick to villainize one another. Uh, that if we're going to have conversations about, hey, I see you know, you're all about the incrementalist stuff, like th that we're just careful that we're not villainizing one another and that we're truly desiring to be united to see, uh, to see abortion abolished, absolutely, but most importantly, to see the glory of Christ shine bright and shine the brightest. Um, so just be careful. Just be careful with that. Um, I, I so yeah, th those are just the three things that I wrote down that I just 
wanted to share kind of as we, as we wrapped up, bro. Any thoughts? Yeah. So I would just say, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, first and foremost, your citizenship, if you're a believer, is in heaven. Oh, um, thank you, brother. It's not uh, as an American. That's right. Um, or even as a proud Georgian. Okay. I'm just saying I'm a Georgian <laughs> before I'm an American, but I'm a Christian before I'm a Georgian. Okay. Boom. Uh, <clears throat> at, it was at that point I needed the General Lee horn. <laughs> I should have put that as a sound effect in, in there. You should have, man. Um, next time. Next time. Next time, yeah. Um, but uh, you, as an American, you have a duty to vote. Yeah. Okay. You have so don't shirk your responsibility and your duty to vote. But at the same time, what ha- whatever happens in the election cycle is God's doing. Amen. So Donald Trump was raised up to be a leader. Okay. We don't believe unless something changed in Donald Trump's heart. We don't, we don't really believe that he was a Christian. Okay. Correct. Correct. Nevertheless, God raised up Donald Trump as a leader. God also raised up Joe Biden as a leader. And we're also seeing the effects of that as just, yes, sir. But whatever happens, it is with, with this situation or with future situations, God is in control and it's either going to be to bless our nation or to judge our nation. That's right. And so to kind of piggyback on things that you, what you were talking about um, as far as being biblical, you must remain faithful. Amen. Remain faithful to God, regardless of what happens. So I will, I'll just end that there. That's good. Um, Just remain faithful. God is in control. We Amen. get the leaders we deserve because God raises them up and he gives, right. us, gives us the that's leaders right. we deserve. Yep. That's it, man. That's it. Good stuff, brother. Uh, man, I appreciate you uh, jumping on, man. Um, that was good. That was good. Um, uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Matter of Theology. We love you guys. We'll see you on the next one. one. Good day.